Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. This morning, we're going to be in, surprisingly, Luke chapter 2, or maybe not so surprisingly. And surprisingly, we're going to look at the story of Jesus' birth. Well, maybe not so surprisingly. But the story of Jesus' birth is contained in Luke chapter 2. It's the most detailed of all of the stories of, of Jesus' birth. And so we're going to start reading right away from verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be his wife, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them, or there was no guest room available for them. You, you probably are at least familiar with good chunks of this Christmas story, if not at least the whole thing. Jesus wasn't born in a hospital. He wasn't born with doctors or midwives all around him, but he was essentially born in an ancient barn. More than likely, probably what we would picture as, as a cave. And this, in and of itself, is truly a remarkable place for us to grab a hold of this story, of a hold of this moment. God, God is born in a barn. Not a castle, not a palace, not in some place worthy of what is happening there, but in an animal's pen. Now, this isn't how I would have done it. It couldn't be more vulnerable. It couldn't be more humble. Jesus, the Son of God, born as a baby in the place that he was. Not the most amazing, powerful, dynamic, world-shaking, befitting God kind of entry into the story of humanity. It's something that not a single one of us would choose for ourselves, choose for our kids, or really choose for, for anyone. And we see that in this cave, in this moment, a baby is born. Right after, but right after Jesus is born, we have this moment where, where it says that Jesus is brought into the world. And immediately after this moment, Luke takes his camera and he pans it away from the story of Jesus' birth, but to another event that's happening nearby. Verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So, so we have this moment where Jesus is born. The Son of God enters the world. God steps down from heaven and enters into human flesh as a baby born in an animal shelter. It's not the story of a baby who becomes God. It's the story of God who becomes a baby. And here it is. Here is this moment. But instead of settling into this story, 
Luke immediately begins to tell this other story of something else that's happening. Nearby where this baby was born, there were some shepherds. Now, when we think about shepherds, we we need to understand a couple of things about them to understand why this juxtaposition between the birth of Jesus, God incarnate, and Luke's smash cut to shepherds, why this is so significant. Who and, and what were shepherds? How were they viewed? What was life like? How were they seen by society? Shepherds lived a very harsh and difficult lifestyle. Let's pause for a moment and reread something. And, and it will give us an insight into, into when we think about shepherds, what are we thinking about? It says in one of the verses we just read, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. You, you see, shepherding, it wasn't a 9 to 5 thing. It, it was a 24-7 thing. It was a job you never really left. You were nomadic. You were homeless. You lived every day of your life with a lot of sheep and maybe a couple other people. This lifestyle and, and, and the effects of it caused people to have a, have, have a view of shepherds that was not positive. They, they had a, in the society at the time, shepherds had, had kind of a sketchy vibe to them. They didn't live with people, and, and people didn't really like or relate to them. It, it wasn't an honorable thing. It wasn't an aspirational thing. The best way that you can kind of say it is that nobody became a shepherd. You ended up as a shepherd. When all else fails, you were a shepherd. Now, coincidentally, the other occupation that had the same kind of stigma to it as it relates, especially in Bible times and as it relates to the story of Jesus that makes it really fascinating is a fisherman. That you didn't set out to become a fisherman. You didn't set out to become a shepherd. You ended up there. That when life didn't go the way you wanted it to, when all else failed, when everything else had gone completely sideways, I guess I'll be a shepherd. No kid dreamt of becoming a shepherd, and no parent desired their kids to become one either. But in the story of Jesus, in the account of Luke, We see Luke going, God is being born. The arrival of the king of the whole universe as a child. It's happening in this seemingly unremarkable, humble kind of way. And then we read about angels in the seemingly unremarkable kind of way. And then we cut to these seemingly unremarkable, humble kind of people. But the angels, or but, but the shepherds are out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks. But then we read about angels showing up. Now here we go. Angels are going to show up and blow the whole lid off this thing. Angels show up in every palace and in every castle with every ruler all over the world and tell them what just happened. They announce, a new king is born and you better bow. And they announce it to all of the most important people, to Egypt, to Rome, to all the powers all over the world. It's the king. It's the important, powerful people who find out first. No. It's the shepherds. The shepherds. God comes to earth and the first people to find out are the shepherds. Those sketchy shepherds. 
Because that's the best way to get the word out about what's happening. To tell someone everyone will trust and everyone will listen to. Or apparently not. But it's a moment to behold. The story unfolds in verse 10. But the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those who have found his favor. Now that's more like it. That's more befitting God. Now, just as a reminder, when we think about angels, sometimes we can think about little babies and diapers with wings, or these kind of gentle, nice beings with white robes and halos. But the angels, they were like heaven's army. In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 19, we read that one angel, one angel, killed 185,000 enemy soldiers. Now, here we are, we have an entire private choir performance of a whole host, so a bunch of these warrior angels that show up singing and worshiping God. A moment that I don't think we can fathom. And a moment that we don't really see anything like again until the book of Revelation and the second coming of Jesus. But it's not for kings. It's not for Pharaoh. It's not for Caesar. It's for a handful of shepherds alone in a field somewhere. Sketchy shepherds. And so the shepherds have this amazing choir perform for them. And they decide to go and find this baby. It says in verse 15, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And this is where I want to pause in our story for this morning. Because there's really something that we need to to understand about this moment. Mary has just given birth in an animal's pen. Now, surely Mary and Joseph had cleaned it up as best they could. They, They no doubt had padded it in some way to make a comfy little bed for Jesus. But there's no way to romanticize this bed into anything other than really a feeding trough for slobbering animals. The first bed for the Son of God was not a royal cradle. It's meant to hold scraps to be eaten by hungry animals. And a group of angels are dispatched to share the story of what's just happened, and they head to probably the most unlikely place imaginable, to some lonely hillside somewhere where these dirty, sketchy shepherds are working. And they announce this baby has been born. And so the shepherds leave that hillside to go and find the baby. The Bible says they hurried off to find that baby. Hurried off implies that they didn't make very many stops to do things like, you know, get cleaned up, take a shower, make yourself not seem like you had just spent days and nights and days and nights around sheep. But they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and Jesus together in this animal's pen. And I want to pause here just for a moment and, and just invite you to picture this scene. 
A meditation found in a 19th century prayer book on the child Jesus highlights this profound mystery. It says this, It's midnight. The winter air is cold and chill. See a comfortable stable, partly shed and partly cave, hollowed into the the side of a rock. A poor place indeed. The keen breeze finds its way in freely, and in that stable lies a baby. His only cradle is a manger, from which cattle feed. He lies there on the rough straw, a newborn babe. His little limbs are wrapped around with swathing bands like like the babes of the poorest. And I just want to invite us to sit with that scene for just a couple moments. Think about the poverty of it all. Think about how unbelievably uncomfortable it must have been. Being in a modern hotel with all of our modern conveniences and medicine isn't that great. But just think of what it must have been like giving birth in these circumstances. It's an unglamorous entrance into life as as one could really put together. It's seemingly totally inadequate for what is taking place. Joseph and Mary, ostracized from their own family because of an unwed pregnancy, forced to find shelter with the animals. And the baby, out of pure necessity, is placed inside a feeding trough. And the first guests, the first guests to arrive, the first people to come and see the baby, are some of the only people on earth that could seemingly make this situation even more drab, even more bleak, even more lonely. And this is how our Savior, how our God, chose to make his entrance into the world. The complete opposite of what we would have imagined. Probably what we would say he deserved. What we would say would be fitting of the Son of God. Jesus was not only humble enough to come down in a form completely far from what he deserved, which is the image of an immortal and extremely radiant king. He even came down in the most humble human form, a poor man of low status. He could have come as a general, an emperor, a rich ruler, a king, or a judge. But our Savior chose to come in the form of a baby born in a stable, laid in a manger, Surrounded by shepherds. Jesus, to whom all things submit, willingly submitted himself to the limitations of humanity as an embryo in the womb of a teenager. Jesus, who upholds the unseen galaxies, allowed himself to be nourished in Mary's womb. Jesus, who made the trees that became the manger, allowed himself to be cradled inside of it. Jesus, who gives strength to all mankind, allowed himself to be supported and held in human arms. Jesus, the one without beginning, allowed himself to be born. Jesus, the word, limited his language to helpless crying. Jesus, who knew no moment absent of the honor of heaven, came into a world of bleeding goats and scents of livestock. No parade, no red carpet, no honor. Jesus, to whom all glory is due, 
laid aside his glory and descended into the filth of our sin-soaked atmosphere where those worthy of shame are profanely glory-hunger. Glory-hungry. Surrounded by the lowest of the low, the weakest of the weak, God was born. Today we celebrate that God was born. And in the birth of our Savior we see the heart of our Savior. The angels proclaimed that this coming Savior's birth would be good news of great joy for all people. All people. And even in His birth from the very beginning, we see the honesty of that. Everyone was invited in. Jesus, the only person who ought not be humble, humbled Himself as a servant to a prideful and thankless mankind. We serve a God who dwells in a high and holy place, and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit. Our God gave up his exalted place in heaven to humbly dwell with sinful man. It's God's humility that makes him supremely glorious. May the humble Jesus... The only righteous one be greatly exalted this Christmas season. For our God has come to save the sinners and to reveal himself to the lowly. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at csairdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together as family we go.